The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Show you this new rail of sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And what matters to me? Well, the show is Ray Ellis Sports. So I'm going to take this opportunity to be a homer and tell you what matters to me is the Ohio State University continues to be undefeated. And also, I think the Philadelphia Eagles, last time I checked, they were leading that NFC East Division too as well. So I'm extremely happy. That's what matters to me. And I'd like to know from some of you out there, perhaps maybe what matters to you, there's something else that's very important that matters to me, and, and that is, uh, I believe, is yesterday uh, the courts of the United States of America decided to stand up to the NC2A and tell them, you know that thing there about those, you know, those athletes, those ball players, and, you know, in terms of amateurs, eh, I'm not so sure about that. So it looks like there's some issues that are going to have to be addressed by the NC2A as it relates to college athletes in particular, Division One basketball and football players, men and football, of course, men and women in basketball, um, that bring in all that revenue. Can't necessarily look at them as being amateurs. How will the NC2A deal with that? Uh, we'll, we'll see. But those are a couple things that, that matter to me. But uh, it's been, uh, I think it's the first quarter. I don't know. Uh, in most businesses, it's always extremely important to them how they start off their fiscal year that first quarter. It's normally an indication of what kind of year you can expect. Well, in terms of the National Football League, I'm sure there's one thing out there maybe we expected, some people expected, that the Denver Broncos would continue to prevail and to look as good as they are. But then for some other people out there, they didn't think that they could happen. They didn't think that, you know, it's hard to repeat. So... Maybe they wouldn't look as good as they did last year, uh, but certainly there were some people out there that thought that, you know, it's, it's, it's a hangover that happens after you celebrate. Some people experience a hangover. We'll find out about that with my man LeBron and, and the Cleveland Cavaliers here shortly, but uh, I would have to say there is certainly some surprises out there in the National Football League that this first quarter, going in, all of us who've ever played this game know that you go in, you always expect to win. Uh, the results and the expectations might be two different things, but you certainly approach it from an attitude that you're going to win. So, um, so we're going to be talking about you know all that, all that stuff, all that good stuff. And uh, but uh, if you like to call, you can always call me at eight 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 three four six nine one four four. I believe we may have a caller on with us now. Do we have a caller? Uh, there may be a chance. I thought we. Hey, Hurley, Hurley, are you there? Hey, 
All right, how you doing there, boss? I'm doing just good. I uh, want to welcome you to the show. Uh, Hurley, we've been talking a, a, a bit about um, you perhaps maybe joining me here on the show. I'm glad we got a chance to do that. I uh, want to talk a little bit, of, of course, about some football and, and maybe even a little basketball and a little politics. You know, LeBron got some things going on out there in Cleveland, and uh, looks like he and the owner may, may agree on, on one thing and, and disagree on a couple others, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, yeah, but I'll tell you what, uh, uh, there's been some good football going on, but last night in particular was a game that I, I really wanted to have uh, some discussion about, and, and that is, you know, when you look at the Giants, of which, you know, people thought the Giants might win the NFC East this year, and, uh, you know, of course, they got a, a quarterback who's won two Super Bowls, so, so, you know, he knows what it takes, he's done it before, doesn't, doesn't have all the same people around him that he won that Super, those Super Bowls with. But he's got a couple components of it, and some of those are upstairs. Uh, but when it comes to down on the field, uh, I'm looking at Eli Manning and, and, and probably Odell Beckham more than Eli. And, and if, if you will, just let's talk a little bit about some of what we've seen on the football field in terms of an athlete who's uh, expected to perform at a level that exceeds um, the expectations, perhaps maybe, of, of not only you know himself and his teammates, certainly the other team, and certainly the fans. Now, that's what we want to see. We want to see an athlete go out and to exceed our expectations. And, and 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 Beckham has done some of those things with some of the catches that he's made. It's been far beyond what we could ever imagine. Uh, he's exceptional when it comes to that. Uh, but some of the things that we've seen with him in terms of his emotional. Um, you know, distractions. Uh, I think they are getting to the point now where he needs to really stop and think about them in such a way beyond the fact that, well, you can't do this because if you sneeze or you blow your nose or you, you know, whatever you do, you're going to get a penalty on you. Does he, in your mind, in terms of how he goes out on the field and performs, and then how he gets mentally caught up and going in this banner back and forth with other players. Is he being distracted? Is it taken away from his performance? Because I think last night, I think he had 28 yards, and I'm sure Eli expected more production out of him last night than what he got. What, what do you think is the problem with this young man, and what do you think he should do? Well, there's a couple of things going here, Ray. Um, one of the deals is that he made a comment that it, it's all within us. That nobody from the other team upsets me. He said that he's upset with his team, with his performance and his team. Now, that that's that's to me that's a very immature statement. All right. Evidently, you, you're saying that you're not happy with your team's performance nor yourself. So you're wearing that on your chest, and and that that's where the immaturity comes in. I never forget. I was um I was I was real close to Michael Irvin. Played with Mike for a year, and then you know followed his career throughout. Him with the Cowboys, and you know especially as an analyst now and stuff like that. And the one thing that Mike told us when I was coaching at the University of Miami, Mike came back and he spoke to the team. And the statement that stuck with me, with what Michael Irvin told us and our kids, is that he's won championships on every level. And he knows what it takes to win championships. And then he said it takes men. And Ray, that, that spoke volumes to me and, and my team. Because you know, in, in this game, obviously, it, there's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of work ethic, and 
a lot of heart that goes into it. But you, you can't be, it takes men to deal with all of those distractions. It takes men to go out there and prepare every week, week in and week out, and play up to your to the high, the high, to, to such a high level. And I just think at this point, Odell has to know and understand that, man, to whom much is given, much is required. This kid has all the attributes that you could ever think of or imagine that a, a, a wide receiver in the National Football League could have. He's a game changer. And with that, with that being said, all his little antics and stuff like that, he's taken away from his team. And it's already hard enough to, to get a first down, and now you got to back him up another first down and a half. And he says that, you know, he's not – the other team doesn't upset him. But Xavier Rhodes got in his head last night, and it completely took him out of his game. He actually had three catches for 23 yards. And he's supposed to be a premier receiver in the National Football League. And that, that to me, it just it, – it, it, there's more there than just him getting frustrated with himself and his team. And, and I so, agree with you on that because, as a matter of fact, if you just watch him – and to contradict what he said, there was never a time that I recall that the referees approached him to warn him about <clears throat> his emotional outbreaks when somebody on his team perhaps maybe missed a block or ran the ball and didn't get a first down or, or Eli threw an incompletion. All the exactly. emotional displays came when he was engaged with another Giants, I'm sorry, with a... Uh, a player from the Minnesota Vikings team. So if that's the only time you're showing the emotion, then you can't say it's your team that is causing you, indeed, to you know to be somewhat distracted. It, it, it's the other team that's getting inside your head. It's what they do that causes the reaction, not what your teammates is doing. And then, but 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 you, but what you're doing as you engage with the other team is causing now your teammates to react. So your teammates are reacting to the antics that you have going on with this other team, but yet still you want to try to tell us that your teammates are what's causing you to be upset and not the other team. And it's really just the opposite. And I, and I doubt that he, uh, what he should do is stop and look at the game film. I, I'll never forget. This happened to me one time. Uh, it happened to me when I was playing ball for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I actually got into a little, you know, a little tussle, if you will, <laughs> with, with one of my teammates. It was in practice. Right. And, and what happened was uh, it was a special teams play, and we, I think it was we were practicing on either punt or punt return. But one or the other, and I thought the dude got a little bit physical with me. And I thought it was, it was beyond the tempo of which we were practicing at. And I know everybody practices on a different tempo. Some guys full speed all the time. I like to be like that myself. But in this particular day, it was just, I thought there was a little bit extra. Well, what the coach did for me, and, and I, I mean, I went as far as I was sitting on the dude's car waiting for him after practice. I mean, I was really, I, I just lost it all. I mean, completely. Coach came out and told me, he said, Ray, I think you might want to think about that. That's might, that might not be what you want to do right now. And so, and the next day they brought me in. Before special teams meeting, when I came in, they pulled me into uh, the, the, uh, the meeting room. And they turned on the film, and they showed me, because I, I explained to them what, was, what had pissed me off and everything, and they showed me the film. And when I looked at the film, and I actually saw myself on film, and, and the way I reacted to what happened in practice, I had to admit I was wrong. 
you know, right. I, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was when I saw it on film, and everything's in black and white. So I think all you have to do, as a matter of fact, the one time when Odell caught the pass on the sideline, he was, Odell was out of bounds. And, and, you, and you can clearly see he's out of bounds, and he comes back in into the playing field to go after my man Rose. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for that. So I, I think what he needs to do is to be honest with himself. And we, many times to be successful, you got to have a conversation with yourself about some things. And, and, and he needs to have a conversation with himself because right now he is out of control. When that, you know, I used to tell my son this sometimes, you know, you have to stop and think sometimes when there's a problem and consistently there's a common denominator, which is you, you might be that problem. <laughs> so, you know, it seems like every time there's a problem, you're, Odell, you're involved in that problem. So I think he just has right. to stop and take a look at it. And let me ask you this. Do, do you think, can we turn to Eli and really expect Eli to be the person that really talks some sense into him? Do you think Eli is that kind of leader? No, I don't. Just watching Eli, I don't think he's, he's got enough confidence in himself to approach Odell. You know, he he's had some success. <laughs> and he should be extremely confident, but I don't think it's in his nature for conflict. I, I don't think he wants he wants conflict. I think he shies away from conflict. You know, on, on, you know unlike his brother, his brother would have went to Odell and told him, hey, "Look, man, you need to sit down and shut up." Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that one. And I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. we got to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about that because there's some contrasting there and looking at the type of leader that Peyton was and the kind of leader that we see in Eli. They, they, they lead in a little different way. They may both be successful, but I think right now Eli is faced with a situation that Peyton may handle this different than the way Eli, we're going to talk about the hurry. Right now, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, 
you hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And uh, before we went to break, uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, Eli Manning and the contrast of leadership in two brothers, two of them who've won Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls, uh, but they've done it a little different. And uh, Hurley, we, we, we were talking about you don't think the Peyton what it did. I, I think you and I may agree. There was a piece out one time on Peyton. You recall what that piece was where Peyton addressed uh, a couple of the offensive linemen because they basically uh, were suggesting some things of which Peyton, uh, as, as the signal caller and the man who have the ability to call all the bulls, maybe they didn't agree with him. And it, he gave them a couple words, a choice words. Am I correct? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, 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 and that is, I'm not so sure. If we don't need a little bit of Peyton to come out of Eli for him to address Odell, because, I mean, if, I, if you're my number one receiver and it's more important to you to be into some type of personal battle with this, with this defensive back over this corner, then you are taken away from me because now that chemistry that you and I have where you know what I'm thinking and I know what you're thinking, I don't know what you're thinking now. Would you agree with that? Of course. Of course, and, and I honestly do believe had you know had Peyton been involved in this situation, had it been Peyton and Odell Beckham, that it never would have gotten to this point, right? It never would have gotten to this point because Peyton would have nipped this in the bud a long time ago. Odell would know exactly how far he could and could not go with Peyton on his team as opposed to Eli. And I just think that with him knowing that, you know, who's really going to challenge me, gives him... The, the ability to continue to do what he's doing. Okay, so wait a second. Let me let me ask you something, because this is something I really want to yeah. talk about. I really want to address this now. Uh, and I, I'm going to get back because we. I want to talk a little bit about the fact that Peyton also had two wide receivers who may end up being Hall of Famers. I don't think anybody, yeah. I, I can't think of anybody, and somebody's got to help me remember this now, but I can't think of anybody who's had two Hall of Fame receivers that were playing at the same time, and they're going to both end up being in the Hall of Fame. But let me ask you this now. Yeah. Let's look at Peyton Man. Let's look at let's look at another excuse that this man threw out here. Now, I'm 23 years old. Re really? You you gonna use 23 years old? I, I believe you're only a rookie in the National Football League. One. That's the only status you get that tells anything about your age and what one should expect about you. You are identified as a rookie one time. Anytime after that, you're considered a season. You're a veteran. And, and, and being around the programs, you understand, at college, at pros, at high school, after you get beyond that first year, you are at a comfort level. You, you, you're an upperclassman. You're a veteran. We expect you to play and act different. I think, he, again, that shows his level of immaturity when it comes to the game to say that he's 23 years old. What the hell? I mean, come on. Tell me a little bit about that. What did you think when you heard that comment, if you did, from him? Well, again, even when I heard it, man, it was, to me, it was, Again, a sign of his immaturity. All right, but but then again, you go back to—is that a sign of entitlement? That—that's the question that I'm getting right now you know, with this kid. Let's just go back to see who, where he's from. All right, he, he played at LSU. Okay, and at that particular time, they're one of the best teams in the country. His mom was well. She's a actually she's a um a college track coach now. His dad. Was one of the one of the high was one of the highest recruited players coming out of the state of Texas, who actually signed a scholarship to go play at LSU. Who was a star running back at LSU, and then not only 
you know, that his dad played LSU. His mom ran track at LSU, and his dad was roommate with Shaquille O'Neal. And the mom is married to now his stepdad, who's an Olympic gold medalist, who ran in the um the nineteen, who was actually a world champion in nineteen ninety five. And then in 1996, he won a gold medal with the U.S. in the Olympics of, of running a 4 by 400 So when, when, when a kid comes from that type of success, there's two things that come to mind. Entitlement, all right, and, you know, selfishness. Those are, those are the first couple of things that come to my mind. And the one thing that I'd like to say, if I could ever get in front of Odell, First of all, you have all this. You have you have all these great athletes around you. You were born, you know, and even his mom jokes about how he the the, the 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 athletic jackpot, the athletic gene jackpot, which he did. But man, you got guys like Shaquille. You have access to guys like Shaquille O'Neal. Forget you being twenty three years old. You have access to guys that that, that are Hall of Famers in their profession. Guys that you can talk to. You have guys that are on your staff right there with the New York Giants. Jesse Armstead, 13-year NFL vet, pro bowler, couple of Super Bowls. You've got guys that you have access that you can talk to that can teach you how to be a pro. Because right now you're not being a pro. You're being a little spoiled kid, a selfish spoiled kid, who's just acting out. And that's, that's, not, that's not being a pro. Well, I'm, here's what I'm going to say. When I, when I hear what you just said, and Hurley, I, I would, I'm going to take a different perspective. I'm, I'm going to look at it from a different lens, if you will. And I would say just the opposite, maybe, of some of the things that you said. Because of what he is surrounded by, my expectation would never have an athlete be delivered to me in the mental frame of mind that he is. And based upon what he's been around, I, I, that's what I mean. We could just take a look at Peyton and Eli and their dad and their granddad, and those relationships are closer, if not probably closer, than the relationships that Odell has. Because first of all, they're dads and grandfathers. So if you got a boy that's playing football, and your dad and your granddad didn't done some of the things, have done some of the accomplished the things that they've accomplished, I, that's why I'm seeing. I'm looking at Peyton. I'm looking at Eli, and if I'm the receiver of one of these people, you know their work ethic. Everybody knows the work ethic of this family. You, you can look at your folks, and your folks have done some great things. That's right. So you should not want to embarrass your people who they are developing an athlete, and this is the type of athlete they develop. And on the other side, here's Peyton and their family and their lineage and, and, and Eli, and here's the athlete they develop, and look how they both approach being professionals. Both of these guys were first-round draft picks. They come in with the same kind of expectations you know, on them that you come to the table with. And, and they've been nothing but pros. And so I, I, at 23, I, Shaq would never say, I'm only 23 years old. Because as a matter of fact, Shaq came until by the time Shaq was 23, he probably was uh, been in the league for about two, three years, four years maybe. You know, his, 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 his mom, his mom who is a track coach, her responsibility is to develop young women into young women, young girls into young women and be professionals at what they do and certainly to be respectful and to show, you know, some leadership out on there. And I, I just don't get this. And I bet you these folks, if you would talk to them, that I don't think any of those people that you knew, and by the way, I knew some of those, I didn't know the history of all of them, 
I would not, none of them would sign off on the way he's behaving on the field at this moment. Do you believe that? Oh, no. I, I know they wouldn't. Absolutely not. Especially the mom, and she's a coach. So, again, the, the thing that what, what Odell has to do is, is look at his body of work, and then he, he's got he's to answer to himself as to how do you want your legacy to be told. Agreed. How do you want to be remembered from this game? Is that little small 23-year-old kid who acted out every time something happened to him on the field? Or do you want to lay out a body of work that people can be proud of when you walk away from this game and they can talk about not just how great of a football player you were, but how you worked your butt off and how you cared yourself and how you were a consummate pro? That's what he's got. He's got to ask himself those questions. And again, the people around him, I know she doesn't condone that. Because again, she's a track coach. And the one thing that we are all us coaches, we're always talking about is no BBL, no bad body language. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your body language says everything. I agree with you. His body language says everything. I agree. And that, that's, not what, that's not what we coaches that's not how we cope. And, and I've heard I've heard them throw around the term this morning on the Big Boy Show. I always like to call it ESPN first take. I call that the Big Boy Show. On the Big Boy Show, they talked about receivers being prima donnas. But I can just tell you the prima donnas that, that I have seen, uh, that I would say they may fit that category. I'm going to go ahead and throw T.O. into that. I'm going to go ahead and throw, uh, I might even throw Michael Irvin in that. I, but I love that. But I'm, I'm going to tell you where I'm going with that. Ucho Cinco definitely deserves to be in there. Daz deserves to be in there. But it's not one of these guys I would not take on my team right now based upon the way they play football. None of them got into the kind of things that you see Odell gets into. They just, they played their hearts out. And they were they were aggressive too, but they didn't let somebody take them out of their game. I don't think we could go back and watch their films and find that somebody was mentally able to take them. Because you got to think about it, you know, as a coach and as a player, Hurley, all you got to do is do your job. I, I like to call it this. I look at position production. There's so much production. I'm looking out of a position. If somebody comes in and somebody and somebody you got a defensive end, he gave you he gave you ten sacks last year. Somebody step up, you gotta say, hey, now you know we we we, we got ten sacks out there for the last three years. We've been getting ten sacks out of that position. We looking for some production. You know, you got a running back. If you got consistently having thousand yard rushers, you man, you know, you know, we need some production. On that. Your quarterback, his percentage, his his completion rate. You know, your 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 uh, your secondary. You know, you expect some interception. We looking for some production. These men produced. Last night, this man was reduced to 20, you say 23 yards total when you, you, when you take away the penalty and all that. That's not production. So you got to stop and think. Because, again, production has a little bit to do with your paycheck. Sometimes you got them incentives in there. So I don't want somebody taking me out of my game. And I'm not catching the ball. I'm not getting yards. I'm not making first downs. We're not scoring. I, I just hope that he would stop and... As we're talking about, and I think everybody's saying, at some point in time, you got to stop and say, the problem is me. This, this is just, this may be something because, again, I want you to talk about this, because, again, you've worked at the high school, the college, you play ball, college pros, all that stuff. Let's talk about the level now of competition after a while. You know, after a while, somebody sees your game, they study your game long enough, maybe now they got a solution to you. Do you think it's getting to the point where at least, is showing up a couple times this year, regardless of how they accomplish it, 
He's getting shut down. Even if he's shutting himself down, somehow he's getting shut down. The production isn't there. You're absolutely right. And and what happens, especially with with, uh, with a guy like Odell, everybody sees how easy it is to get into his head. Now, as a player, you're always looking for that edge. And when you got a guy, when I'm going up against a guy like Odell Beckham, I got to find out how can I gain an edge? What can I do to gain an edge? As I'm watching film, you know, when do I, what, how do I know what kind of route he's going to run? I'm studying this guy. I want to know. But if it's something as simple as getting to his head, I can get an edge by getting into this guy's head. I just saw what he did. I actually saw what he did last year when he and Josh Norman got into it and he got suspended for the following game against Minnesota. That would have, if they, if they could have beat Minnesota, they could have gone on to win the NFC East. But because of his selfishness and because of, of his antics on the field, he got suspended. So as a player, I'm watching this. I see this. I'm getting ready to play this guy. Not only am I watching it, but all of my, my compadres, my peers, when we when we talk, the first thing I'm going to find out, I'm going to call Josh. Hey, Josh, how did you get into Odell's head? Man, what, what, what was going on out there? Oh, no, you got to do is talk about him and talk about this, whatever. Okay, bam, I got that in my notes. I know that. So when I'm getting ready to play Odell Beckham, the first thing I'm going to do is get into his head to gain that edge. And just like you said, now that I've gotten into his head, he can no longer produce. I've done my job. That's right. Hey, Hurley, I, I agree with you, man. I, I agree with you. And I, I, I can say this myself personally before. There's been a time where I asked my coach. I said, Coach, I just need one. I just need one. He, he wanted to know what that one was. I said, I need one personal file. Just understand. But but I, I'm trying a strategy that I know will work, but you need to let me get that one personal file. That one personal file, he gave it to me. Uh, the receiver that I was you know, tasked with guarding, shut him down because he gave me that one personal file. Now, here's the thing about it. It was an attempt at a personal file. I didn't even get there, but I got into a man's head. And you, we who play this game knows if you got a player that you can get into their head, you got to do that. Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all, the greatest of all time, told us years ago. He did it to George Foreman. He he got into George. You can't hurt me. He talked like you said. Her. He talked about everything. I think he talked about his mom. Excuse me. But you know, we got to do what you have to do. But you have to understand when at war. Use all your weapons. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel sports and medicine go hand in hand 
Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters to me, the Ohio State University. Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm a homer right here. I'm a homeboy. I'm hanging in there, you know, for my boys. they doing it well. Philadelphia Eagles, hey, they gave. What can you say? Somebody give you a first chance ever? I got to go. I got to roll with them guys as well, you know. And uh, and then, of course, the NC2A athletes, you know, I think I, as a, a person, a, a former student-athlete myself, got a chance to get an education at The Ohio State University. Um, I, I was a captain on a team. Uh, you know, there's a chance that, you know, you continue a role when you're a part of an organization. When I, I don't care what anybody, if you're a part of something, uh, that organization, you're always, a, you're a member of that organization, and, and whatever level you choose to participate, there's always a role in there. And I believe that former college athletes, you know, you become these alumni, and you, you're supposed to contribute to the university in some capacity. And, and, and my job, I felt, has always been to try to help, you know, student-athletes of the next generation as much as I possibly can. So I signed up, went to court, participated, and uh, you guys might have heard a little bit about the Ed O'Bannon uh, case last night. Uh, that amateur status is, nope, that's not good. Courts don't believe in that. Those young men are not amateurs. Uh, it's just what you dubbed them to be, uh, but they're not amateurs. And so we're going to see what's going to happen in terms of um, how the NC2A will deal with that. But I, I think the NC2A doesn't have to pay them any money, any more money. They're going to you know, they, they give them the cost of living and all that stuff. And the cost of living could be a lot of money. If you play in California but you live in Philadelphia, you, you know, before the team could not pay for you to go back and forth to go home. You had to find your way, if, whether it was driving, catching a plane, catching a bus, or whatever. The cost of attendance, I got to get to school, and when school's out, I got to go home. There could be spring break. If it wasn't practice, you couldn't go home. You didn't have the money, you know? So all those things, food to eat, nice apartments, all that. So they're going to they take care of them young fellas. And it may happen, I don't know about this, that Nike may want to say that they might want one of the young ball players wearing their shoes and they might be able to pay them. I don't know. We'll see. Okay? Don't have the answers to all that stuff. But what I would like to do, because I got a man on the phone with me who got some answers to some questions that I have. And Hurley, I want to know, man, Cam Newton, the fe big fella. But again, shout out to the big boy show this morning. My man Herman Edwards was on there. Uh, Herman and I, of course, played ball with the Philadelphia Eagles back in the day. Uh, Herm told me. And uh, I think you said something to me off the air, and I, I will get back to that one. But uh, Herman said to me, homeboy, homeboy, 
You can't keep running up in there like that. Now, I'm a defensive player. And Herman was trying to warn me about my body and not be able to take. I was taking on guards and tackles like they, was, like they were wide receivers and, and running backs. <coughs> and and, and I, I, my job was to force the run, so that's what I'm doing. And then when it came time to tackle again, I was doing it the way I knew how to do it. I was taught by John Briarweezer and Chuck Knox and uh, I mean Bill Knox in high school. And uh, and then, you know, Woody Hayes and and uh, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll in college. So that's the only way I know how to do it. Dig Vermeer, you know, the only way I know how to do it. But he said, homeboy, homeboy, can't keep doing that. Herman is saying now, Cam, homeboy, <laughs> homeboy, you can't keep, I don't care how big you are. You can't keep taking on linebackers. You can't keep taking on safeties. You ain't going to last too long. Do you believe that's a message that somebody needs to hammer home to Cam, that Cam can't keep taking them shots like that? What do you think about that, Hurley? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Cam has to know and understand that the sacrifices that he needs to take should not hurt his team. He needs to know and understand that, hey, I might just need to slide on this one because I need to be able to come back and play the next play. I got to be able to live and to play another down. It, I, I, hurt, I hurt my team when I'm not in the football game. So this touchdown or this first down may not necessarily be worth it. And Hurley, you know, I'm glad to hear you say that because the quarterback is the only position on the football field. I mean, even the kickers. I, last week there was a, a they called a – a roughing the kicker on a kicker after he kicked the ball, the ball was gone, his leg was down, and I thought the dude made contact with him, you know, beyond his follow-through and all that, he had time to relax. Uh, but the fact of the matter, what I wanted to say here is quarterback is the only position where back in the day it might have been different, but today we're okay with you dropping and taking a knee or, 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 or sliding, whatever you got to do. We encourage you to do that. Back in the day, we wanted you to say, take a hit, you know, you, you, you know, show us you tough or whatever. We don't, not for quarterbacks anymore. They, they're the only ones that's protected. The league doesn't even allow you to hit them. So, so why take these shots? And I'm not, I'm not so sure, you know, I know Cam is an intelligent quarterback. I, I know the RG3 is an, an intelligent young man. I'm just not understanding what part of the game do they not understand that it's elevated to the highest level that these are the best in the world. It's not high school. It's not college. Even at the college level, as good as they are, it's still there can be 11 people on that field of the starters and probably maybe three of them, four of them at the most, if you get to five, then you're really doing good, are going to be playing in pro football. But you got all 11 guys pro football players, Cam. These are the greatest men out here. You can't run over these guys like you in college. I just don't understand that. I, somebody needs to help me understand what it is that he's done in the past that could possibly not help him to understand that this is a different level. These are different. These men are much bigger. He can't even run away from them like he used to do in college. So is this, is this just a mindset? Do you believe just the way he's wired and the way he plays the game that he can't change it? Or is, it, or is it something that couldn't be taught and coached or maybe even just in, in some therapy sessions where somebody could sit down with him and talk to him? What do you think has to happen for him to understand that, Cam, you don't have to prove to us you're tough. We, we know you're a tough dude, but you, you're hurting the team. And you're going to actually you know, hurt yourself one day because somebody like that last hit he took, 
he did get a concussion from it. So somebody had, but who is it? Is it the coach? Is it his teammates? Is this? Is it his parents? You know, or is it Cam himself making that decision? Well, well it's Cam making that decision himself. I mean, you you see the little polls when he's done. This guy actually stands up and pulls his chest apart like he's Superman. So I mean, he's telling you right then and there himself, and it's not—it's not—it's not bad. I'm not saying that you know he shouldn't think of himself as Superman, but he's a competitor. He's a competitor at the highest level, and it is so hard when you get guys like that that are as competitive as he is to understand that. I can't do certain things. There are certain things that I don't need to do. Or I can't score this touchdown or I can't get this first down. That's just in it. That's who he is. Well, Hurley, let me say this to you. There's, there's, there's one thing that I recall, and I've only heard in my lifetime, I've heard one person explain it the way I, the way I explain it and the mm -hmm. way I lived my life. Mm -hmm. And that was Ronnie Lott. And Ronnie Lott talked about there's a time when you take that hit. And there's a time when you tackle. And, and you, exactly. you, you take that hit when that hit is there. And, and then if you don't take that hit when that hit is there, then that says something. Now, he didn't say all this, but I'm saying this. That's it. To me, that says something about you as an athlete. And that's why I'm saying Cam doesn't have to prove anything to us anymore. He's already proved everything. But one thing that Cam also has proven is that Cam doesn't quite understand when not to take the hit and when to take the hit. Because that hit he took the other day, he wasn't in a position to deliver the blow. He was only in a position. He, he didn't even protect himself in such a way that he could lessen the blow to himself. He took the full hit. It's almost like the stumble back in the day. If you remember back in the day, it was a time where, where Jack Tatum met Earl Campbell on the goal line. And, 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 and Jack, oh, Jack got up under him. And Earl bounced off and slid to the side. He scored, but mm -hmm. they introduced themselves to one another. <laughs> I think there was some. I think there was some mutual respect from that point on. If it wasn't already there, Cam doesn't have to introduce himself to anybody else any longer. He's got to stop that because, in my mind, Cam Newton will not have the longevity of his career. Peyton Manning never took any hits like that. Tom Brady never took any hits no. like that. No, and they're not going to. No. And they still, and, and here's the thing about it. It's not that they don't scramble and run for first downs. It's, that's not that. Exactly. It's just that they understand that I don't, I don't have to take that. Let me see if you can go. I'm going to take you way back, probably way before you was over there, but you can pull out some old highlight films. You can see this. A lot of people had a lot to say about this man, but he probably was one of the smartest men to ever play football. And, and that is Franco Harris. Franco Harris didn't take them kind of hits. And he was a running back. Franco ran out of bounds. He didn't care what nobody said. Franco ran out of bounds. Franco, Franco probably put added so many years to his life. You know, I'm he not going to say he, you know, he probably wouldn't have the same concussion issues, but Franco was very smart about extending the longevity of his career by reducing the amount of hits and collisions that, that, he, that he took. And I, I just wish that we could get Cam to do that uh, because it's also going to affect his, his pocket presence too after a while. You know, because he's oh, going to he's going to be gun shy pretty soon from so many hits, and then when it, when when there's times where he probably wouldn't be so gun shy, he, he you know his body's just going to be hurting him so bad, he's probably going to compromise himself on some plays that he may be able to make because that's what happens. Because then you start you notice early 
when the hits, when you start feeling the hits, then you start thinking about the hits. And, yeah. and, and that's what it's all about once you get in that with them linebackers in the secondary. If they get to punish you once or twice and, and you feel that pain, that's going to be worth a drop ball or a lack of concentration in some aspect of the game that's going to hurt you. So uh, it's interesting we're talking about Cam because there's another quarterback that I, I threw it out there a little bit that's coming back. And that's Tom Brady, who we talked about doesn't take those type of hits. Uh, Tom Brady's coming back. He's coming back against the Browns, which we always knew that was going to be the case. Uh, the team, I believe, is doing better than anybody thought they were going to be doing. But they happen to lose a game right when he's coming back. Do you think, as I said, we already knew about the Browns. That was a good thing. But do you? it's never good to lose and we got about two minutes real quick, so we're going to touch on this and we're going to come back. But do you think the fact that they lost is it even makes it better that he comes back this week? Well, Ray, I, I honestly do believe in football, God. And I, I you know, I mean, it, it, it's probably, you know, a fairy tale. <laughs> I like that one. Only, football gods. I like that one. Go ahead, Early. It's only fitting, Ray, that Tom Brady comes back after a loss. Because for the first three games, they're 3-0. Garoppolo and then Jacoby Brissett, and everybody stopped. Everybody started to think that it was Bill Belichick and his process, and not the greatness of Tom Brady that has been allowing the New England Patriots to be so good over a period of time. Mm. So they were just saying, again, they they had man, they had dismissed Tom Brady. Oh, it ain't Tom Brady. It's, it's Bill Belichick. You know, Garoppolo can win, and then Jacoby Brissett he comes in his first game and he wins. Wait a minute, hold on now. But y'all forgetting about one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever played the game, and Tom Brady. Don't dismiss him. Don't dismiss that. And so for them to lose and for him to come back against the Cleveland Browns, he's coming back with a vengeance. And I think the football gods had it set up this way so people can realize it and really appreciate how good Tom Brady really is. Yeah, I'm glad you I said that. I, I, I'm really glad you said that because I, I do believe that, you know, Tom, I, I've said this many times, you know, coaches coach and players play. That, that's the bottom line. You can't just tell me that, you know, coach could have the same game plan. Listen, we know this. It, 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 it could be a nine route. If you put somebody in who runs a 5-2 and you tell them to run a goal, the quarter, they ain't going to score a touchdown. you got to have somebody got some speed out there. you got to have a player. And you, you can't put a line, an offensive lineman out there who, can, who can't catch the ball. You know, so the players got to play, and the coaches got to coach. They they got to execute, and the players, many times, have to step up for the coaches and let them know. Bottom line, the play coach called the play. I didn't execute. I didn't do my job. Coach called the play. I didn't do my job. But listen, we're gonna take a break, man. This is good, man. We only got one more segment, but we're gonna come back. You listen to Rail the Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We're gonna take this break. We'll be back for the last segment of the show. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, by the way, if you get a chance, uh, take a look. Uh, go out to a website out there, and it should be uh, either PNE Info or Troop21.com, one or the other. And uh, Guy Troop, a uh, person who's been just so good to me and, uh, you know, working with us, even with us folks here at Voice America Sports, um, has a website. Guy started a new blog and uh, it's very interesting, very interesting. He gets a chance to talk to some players behind the scene and, and, and they share some information with him and then Guy then takes an opportunity to kind of share some of the perspective of some of the players that he talks to and, uh, and, and puts it out there, you know, some things from some of my players' perspectives. We'll take a look at that. But what matters for me uh, is, of course, that the Ohio State University is uh, undefeated. The Philadelphia Eagles are doing a great job. They're doing the same thing. And these uh, young fellas at... Uh, uh, in college and young women at college and universities, uh, that status of an amateur may change, and uh, there there may be uh, some things on the horizon for them. Uh, somebody kind of reminded me that uh, the Ohio State University is not the only university that is undefeated out there. Uh, good friend Hurley reminded me that uh, I think it is. Uh, I'm gonna let him say it. I don't even want to say it, but somebody else is undefeated. Is that right? The Miami Hurricanes <laughs> are undefeated. There you go. The <laughs> Miami Hurricanes undefeated. Hey, listen, yeah. uh, I, I, got a, I got a young man I know way back in the day, and I remember him. He may not remember me, but you might remember that name. Uh, uh, Archie has a young, the youngest of, of his brothers is Keith Griffin, and I think Keith uh, okay. went to Miami, if I'm not mistaken, back in the day. So, But anyway, uh, we, we just got this last segment, and, and, and so we started to talk a little bit about, um, you know, Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick. And, you know, it's really interesting because, again, uh, I told you earlier in the, sh in the show, uh, I, I mentioned a little bit, just threw a little nugget out there about LeBron and, and politics and the owner up there and all that and, and the GM. And, you know, and LeBron, you know, LeBron knows what it takes to win. He didn't win there in Cleveland, left, went down to Miami, won, came back, didn't win, knew what he needed, asked him to add that element to it. You know, he got it. And, and now, you know, now all of a sudden, it's like I always I tell people this all the time. Heard you got to help me with this. Why do you hire an expert, and then you want to turn around and be the expert? Now LeBron went as far as hey, we might even make a move. We need to make. I'm sure. Don't nobody want to admit it. I'm sure he said something about we might make, need to make a move with the coach. We did that. We, we, we certainly needed Kevin Love. We needed that. You know, J.R. Smith. We needed that. Now this man has done and orchestrated this stuff, and has come out with the result of what you were expecting and now he's asking you to retain a component of this that makes this thing work and you're saying no it just reminds me of the whole Belichick thing and, and, and Tom Brady's like okay hold on Belichick without Brady ain't gonna work Brady without Belichick ain't gonna work together we know what they can do but I just don't think one or the other without each other will have the success that they had. So let's look at this Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Uh, I think Bill Belichick, believe it or not, 
Coaches never want to lose. I don't care. A coach don't ever want to lose. Even the coaches when they've had, they've, they've secured their playoff spot. And they late into the season, they still got a game or two to play. They still don't want to lose. They always want to win. But this might be one of the few times in life where I think Bill Belichick might have wanted to lose because what Bill, Bill was hearing the same things that you were hearing, Hurley, is that, well, it's the Bill Belichick system. We don't need Tom Brady. Bill was like, I know Bill had to think, these people must be crazy. They, they just completely crazy. If they think that I don't need Tom Brady <laughs> to win a Super Bowl. So, so do you think that maybe deep down the side, Bill, too, might have been happy because he didn't want to hear no controversy, quarterback controversy stuff because he had enough controversy in this offseason. You know, Deflategate and all that's got him where he's at now. Do you think he's kind of happy that, that they even lost that game? Oh, no, no. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm I, taking I, it too far. I'm stretching it there. Huh? Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I, But you know the I, controversy. I, you know the quarterbacks. You know some people were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, you know, Bill Belichick is one of those one of those coaches that he doesn't let that stuff distract him. He's a bottom line guy, and he knows that the people got jobs to do, and you know, the social media, the media, and everybody's got a job to do. They're gonna do their job. But at the end of the day, I need my quarterback. Now I want to win this game, but I need my guy, and we're gonna do everything we can to win this game. And I know he's highly upset that he lost it because. They they had they had chances to win that game. You know, they, it, it wasn't like they just went in there and, and got beat. You know, beat sleep. Yeah, they had they had a number of, of opportunities to win that game. And you're right about that. that. You, you you're right about that. And and, and so here, and here's what I'm saying because you know, listen, the Denver Broncos won last year. It wasn't the Peyton MVP Peyton Manning that we know. It was a fraction of who the real Peyton Manning happened to be that we had seen for so many years. But they were able to win that Super Bowl because they had a stellar defense. Do you think that some people were saying, well, we don't have Tom Brady, but we've got a fraction of Tom Brady, and if he just doesn't lose a game, back in the day, Jim McMahon did it. Jim McMahon, you know, I, I all respect to Jim McMahon, but I'm saying Jim won't go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever knew, uh, that ever played the game. He knew the game well, but it wasn't like he won the greatest performing quarterbacks, but he had a great running back in Walter Payton and a, and a great defense. So my point is, do you think some of those people up there were thinking, well, if Denver did it last year and they didn't have a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, you know, they had one of the greatest ever played the game, but that wasn't the one that showed up to play in the Super Bowl. You think some people in New England were saying, yeah, well... Yeah, but, but people that don't understand football will say that, all right? But people that understand football, Ray, like you and myself, it took that Pro Bowl quarterback even a fraction of what he was to put the offense in positions to where they could continue to move the ball and score. And I'm a Peyton Manning fan. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, these guys that can sit back and, and that can dissect those defenses the way that they do. Man, I just sit back and I, and I love watching those types of guys. Even though Peyton can't scramble, he can't run out of sight in three days. All right, man, that's fine. But I tell you what he can do. He can pick apart your defense, whether he's running the ball to, to a side that you're overloading or that you got less guys than what you would have on the other side or whether he's picking up a blitz or the safeties are rotating one way and all of a sudden he sees it, that's the difference in the ball game. Yeah, I agree with you. One thing about it, I've always realized that I've noticed for myself, and I try to tell any athlete that I, encounter, I come encounter with, 
that really the most important aspect of your game, aside from your, your, your physical gift that God gave you, is the amount of time that you put into learning the game of football. Because if, yes. if you know the game of football and you're in your playbook and you know what to expect and you're watching film and you're talking to your coaches, you can pick apart teams. You, you know where things are before they even happen. You talk about the football gods, have conversations with the football gods. And, and, and if you've trained yourself, uh, uh, one of my coaches one time told me, taught us about the subconscious mind. And if you program and condition yourself to do something over and over again, there are times where it'll take over and you'll do something and you'll think, wow, did I do that? You, it, your subconscious mind just took over. You, you didn't even know. It's almost it's like some... deliberate practice. See? That's right. There you go. Deliberate there you go. Practice. Hey, Hurley, listen, yeah. man. It's been great, man. But time is running out, man. I really appreciate you joining the show. And I'm going to ask you uh, next week to come back so you and I can uh, chop it up again, as we say, in the hood and, and have a good time and, and, and talk about, hopefully, uh, maybe even talk about that uh, University of Miami who may come back next week and be undefeated, possibly. Florida State week, right? <laughs> Florida State week. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Oh, that's a oh, good yeah. one, man. We gotta come. We gotta talk yeah, about that. We we gonna talk yeah. about that next oh, week yeah. for sure. Okay. All yeah. right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. You've been listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.